Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Glad to have you with me today. Coming to you somewhat, almost kind of live from the heart of Cajun country, and always free of charge or your money back. This is the Down South IT Podcast. My name is Clark, and today we're going to get into what some of us know as pretty much the vein of our modern existence. That's right, we will be talking about email today, but more, more specifically, several types of emails that you can set up on your device, and I'll run through the pros and cons of each, how, how they work. But before that, I do want to announce this, the winner of the f- most recent Facebook giveaway of uh, the Alltech Lansing Baby Boom Speaker. And I want to say a big congratulations to Regina Scarborough. I hope you enjoy the speaker. I'll get it to you as soon as I can. You can read the review of that speaker up on the website at downsouthitpodcast.com. And you can check out a whole bunch of other things on there, too. I got so much stuff on there. I actually just just did a video last night of how to make your own patch cable or fix a patch cable if you need to do that. So that's up on there as well as the the YouTube channel. So you can go check that out. And also have the unboxing video for the Baby Boom speaker that Regina won in the giveaway. So if you want to, if you want, you can check that out too. Lots of other stuff on there to check out. If you have any questions, comments, or anything like that, please hit up the Facebook page at DownSouthIT, or you can email me at DownSouthIT at gmail.com. And while you buy the Facebook page, don't forget to like the page and let me know you stopped by. So let's get this party started. Uh, We all know what email is at this point. I mean, we've been using it for years. We all know how to send and receive them. But let's be honest. Did you know there was different types of email? And that each one did things a little bit different? In fact, uh, while I was doing research on this, did you know the first email was sent back all the way back in 1971? A guy named Ray Tomlinson is credited with having sent the first electronic mail across a network and basically he sent that he sent it from one machine to another way back in 1971 and while we're on the subject of emails too i wanted to bring up a couple of safety tips because there's a lot a lot of scams and phishing emails and that's phishing with a ph i know we in the heart of phishing country down here but it's ph not fi okay so there's a lot of junk and scams and stuff like that more probably now than there ever was but I just want to give you a few uh, tips on how to recognize some of these scams and things like that because frankly I've gotten a couple over the last month that were really really convincing and if you don't or what to look for you could get scammed and you know people could get information that they really don't need to be having so let's kind of jump into that real quick because that that's something that I think everybody can benefit from so so we'll jump into that now while I was doing some research I did come across uh, and staysafeonline.org and they basically that's their whole mission is to try to keep you safe online and they have five ways to recognize phishing emails and First is going to be the emails will ask you to confirm personal information. Now remember, this is the ultimate goal of whoever sent that email in the first place. They're only after your information so they can exploit it for any number of reasons. They're in the business of manipulation of you so they can get your information, whether it's your credit card number, another email address that they can spam, your bank information, 
anything that they can use to their advantage, they're going to try. So any emails that are asking you to confirm your personal information, you want to kind of be, that, that should send up a, a red flag for you. Next, web and email addresses don't look genuine. Now, when you get one of these emails, first thing, don't click any links in the email. Whatever you do, don't click anything. Just look it over. Now, in the case of the, the, the ones that I had recently got, one of the emails was from a HSA provider saying my account was suspended for no activity. Now, why would a medical account shut down like that for no activity? Doesn't make sense, right? Well, that's whenever I kind of started looking at it a little bit closer. Now, the other thing that I noticed too was when you look at the links in the email, this one, the entire message was one big link, which means somebody cut and pasted a screenshot of this warning or whatever and used the whole thing as a link. Big, big red flag right there. Anytime you see that, you know it's pretty much going to be a that that's going to be a, a scam right there you can tell so normal emails that don't happen if there's links it's just the words you know and sometimes it may be a picture or an icon or something but it's never the entire thing with the backgrounds and all so but after that that's whenever i looked at the email address that sent that uh that sent the thing to me and it was just a random string of letters and the domain that it came from wasn't even from my account provider so spidey senses started going crazy now the the domain part of it it just if you don't know that's the actual part that's after the at sign in the email address that's one thing you should do if if you get in get in a say you get in a uh, an email from AT&T saying your account's about to be suspended you would think that you know the email address that sent it to you should be from at you know some user at att.com or .net or right or whatever right the the emails and the email addresses should match they should have some kind of continuity most of the time in spam ones they don't so that's another thing you want to look for and usually if you do get something from a reputable source or anything like that it'll be it the username which is the part before the at on the uh, email address those won't be just random strings of numbers. They'll have, you know, service or, you know, account departments or accounts or something. You know, they'll have something there. You know, it'll be something there that'll make sense. And it'll, the whole, you know, it'll look legit. You know, it'll, it'll make, everything will make sense. If you're getting something from an accounting department, you have account at whatever don't, you know, company.com. The email address should make sense to what the email is. The next is that it's poorly written. And this is true of a lot of phishing emails. Uh, most of them come from overseas where English is not their native language. So the emails they put together are not grammatically right. Now, granted, if you're listening to this podcast, a lot of times I'm not grammatically right either. I'd make no bones about it. I am a coon ass. I'm, I'll always go that way. Um, I'm a right when I'm writing something, you know, on paper or whatever, it may be grammatically correct, but when I talk, hell no. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Most of these people that are putting these emails together, English isn't their second language, so they know just enough of the language for stuff to kind of make sense. So they're going to be bad, broken English, 
grammatical errors and stuff like that. And if it's if it's screwed up like that, more than likely it's going to be a scam. Delete it. Get rid of it. Next is going to be there's a suspicious attachment. A lot of these phishing emails and stuff will have attachments on it for no reason. They will ask you to open the attachment to read instructions on how to keep going, you know, forward. Don't do that ever. If you see something with with an attachment on it, be wary of it right off the bat unless you know it's something that you sent off for or something that you ex, you're expecting. You know, if if it's you know, unless it's like your bank statement that you get every month or something like that. If it's just a random email that, that has an attachment on it, that should send up a red flag right there. Because what happens is when you open their instructions, quote unquote instructions, I know you can't see me doing it, but I'm doing the little air quotes. That's whenever you get malware and ransomware and everything else installed on your machine. And you probably heard of ransomware and that's the newest thing now is they basically it'll install malware and it'll lock up your computer and they'll hold your computer hostage until you pay a fine a ransom and then they'll send you the code to unlock it so but when in doubt don't open any attachments or click anything when in doubt now that their last thing is that the message is designed to make you panic like i said before a lot of the bo- the two bogus ones that i got earlier this month were from places i do business with you know, but they both had the same MO. The accounts were suspended or were going to be closed or something like that. Now, if you see that from like your cell phone provider or your bank or something like that, and you think, first thing you think is, oh crap, they're going to close my account. I need to hurry up and do this so they don't close my account. Well, that's what they want you to do. They're counting on that. They want you to panic so you do something in the moment and do it without thinking you know, trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist. Now, if you do happen to get one like this, take a deep breath, read through it carefully. Don't click on anything. Check the email address that sent it to you. Make sure it's legit. And if even if you haven't any, if uh, if you think it's it's not legit or if you have any questions like that, call the business. Call the customer service line of the bank or the, you know, the phone company or whatever call them they'll be able to tell you okay yeah your account is in suspend is being suspended for this reason they'll be able to tell you that otherwise they're going to tell you okay it's a phishing email and nine times out of ten they'll probably want you to forward that email to them so they can try to track down the jackass that sent it to you so when in doubt be careful take it slow read through it and just kind of go through these guidelines and if something doesn't look right it's probably not so just be safe out there uh everybody i just i'm not at the safety lessons done we can kind of dive in a little bit more but you know me i'm, I'm kind of in that security mode so i got I, I wanted to kind of get this over and done with with y'all but like i said earlier there are different types of email and what i meant by that was there are different type of servers that we use to access our email and for this to make sense, you kind of, kind of, you have to imagine that you have two email email boxes because technically you really do. But you have one on whatever your device you're getting your email on, whether it's your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever. And there's also the email box on the server. So you have a server side and a client side. The client is whatever you use to access your email. Now. 
first it is first of these that we're going to go over is called pop or post office protocol this is the older one it's a very simple protocol it goes all the way back to 1984 it's almost as old as me god help me anyway uh the current version is pop 3 and this was introduced all the way back in 1988 this is basically means this protocol goes up and fetches and downloads the entire contents of a remote server so it'll it'll pull the ser the email on the server side and download everything that's in it and once it downloads it'll delete it on that on the server side now there are some settings on there now that you can leave copies of the messages on the server so you know just in case you happen to lose one or delete one you know it won't actually really go away but the bad thing about using pop email is that if you make changes on your side there are no changes that take place on the server so say you use pop email on a tablet and a phone if you delete the email on your phone it's still going to be on your tablet because no, nothing else syncs up so that's one of the bad things about that now the uh, the next email type or the server type should i say that we use is called imap and that's internet message access protocol this is this one's a lot more complex and what it does it, it constantly pulls your email server and constantly you could have it do it in real time it's called push email uh, notifications and stuff like that or you can have it set up to you know one hour every three hours whatever every time it pulls the your email server it pulls for it doesn't just download everything it looks for it acts for a bunch of different things it acts for email headers the body content a bunch of other things and because it separates out all of the emails you know by the header the body your footer all of that you can actually it makes it a lot more efficient to search through emails with keywords so that's a lot more efficient than running through your entire list of emails that you have you know to find one that you need and imap will also poll and ask for things like marked as read or forwarded or deleted so in effect whenever you're using an imap email server the mailbox on your device is actually acting as if you were sitting at the email server on the on the server side so any changes that you make on your device change on the server next time it polls and that means that any other changes you know are going to any other devices that you go to or that you make are going to change on the other devices too so you make one change everything changes because everything polls and picks up all of the changes so back to the, the other example like i said if you do have it on your tablet and on your phone on your phone you delete one a message on your phone after everything polls the message deletes on your tablet and on the server as well so all three will reflect the changes that you made on your phone now the third type is a little bit different and that's exchange this is Microsoft's email system and it's a little bit different in that usually it's either run by a school or a business you know a fairly big business because these are cut this kind of, the software is expensive but the whole system is run on a server 
and is usually taken care of completely in-house by that school or that business's IT department. So they're in complete control over that whole email system. They can set up the software however they see fit. You know, they can control access to however they want to do it. They can restrict access however they see fit. And one of the other big differences too with Exchange is that it not only does your email, but it syncs up a lot of other things too. It syncs up calendar, it syncs up your tasks, your contacts. So all of those things can be can be synced up and shared across devices. One of the cool things is that Exchange actually takes cues from both Pop and IMAP. It it'll show the changes that you make and it'll show up on the server. And what they call whenever you're actually synced up with the server, they call it active sync. But if you happen to lose or have a bad internet connection, you can download the messages just like you do with a pop server. And you can just work offline. Everything, you know, nothing changes, everything works. And then once your connection, once you're back on a good connection, then everything syncs up again and all your offline changes, you know, sync up to the server and everything else syncs up. So it kind of has a little bit of the best of both worlds, you know, with, as far as email goes. Now, with everything that I talked about today, too, so far, it's all been about getting your email. But what about sending it? And for that, we actually have simple mail transfer pro protocol or SMTP. This is what your computer uses to send email to the right address. And what it does is it has a little bit of help from a mail transfer agent or an MTA is what they call it. And what it does is it stores, it used the store and forward technique. So basically when you send an email, it'll send from your computer to your ISP, store that email there, look for the next jump in to find the, the correct domain and then forward that e forward that message to the, the next jump. And then it'll store it there, look for the next one, and jump to the next one. So it'll store and keep forwarding until it gets to the correct domain. Once it gets to the correct domain, that's whenever it starts looking for the username, which is the before part, you know, the at, before the at on the email address, to find the correct recipient. So, but don't worry about as far as the store part, because the only that will store your email is the one from your ISP. You know, that would that will basically show in your sent folder, you know. So that's the only one that will actually store it. Any any other jumps that it makes to any other destinations, it'll store it and as soon as it send it forwards it, it deletes it. So you should so don't worry about that. And just like that, we kind of we're running a little bit short today, but that's okay. Uh I hope I shed a little bit of light on email today. I mean, we use it so, so much, but sometimes it's hard to understand how, kind of how all of it works. And I, I, I know this one was a little fast and kind of loose, but, you know, I, I do hope that it kind of helped you out a little bit and at least understanding on kind of how some of these things work. Actually, now that I, now that I think about it, I might actually have time to do this today. So let me jump in right here. And to be honest, I wasn't sure I was going to have time to do it, but actually we do. So I wasn't just going to put it on the show prep and have you all go back and double check it, but we got time. So give you the top five email clients for 
different uh, uh, different operating systems and stuff like that. So first off, we'll start off with top email clients from Android, and this is from FalseBytes.com. Uh, their top five is going to be My Mail, is number five. Canine Mail, which is number four, which I've actually used that one before. Uh, it's not bad, not a bad little program. It does a lot. Uh, number three is Aqua Mail, which that's actually, I believe, the one that I'm using right now, to be honest, for my emails. And it, this, it works great. It really does. Uh, number two is going to be the native Gmail app that comes with. You know, it comes baked into Android. And uh, you can do a lot. You can put other email addresses on the Gmail app. You don't have to do just Gmail. I mean, it, it's for Gmail, but you can do other email addresses besides that. And their number one is going to be Outlook for Android. So the, the Microsoft Outlook app for Android is the number one apparently right now. And from that, we move on to the iPhone. And that'll be digitaltrends.com came up with this list. First off, number five is going to be Newton Mail, which I've seen that one. It's actually really minimal and pretty slick. I like that one. Number four is Inbox by Gmail, which does basically kind of the Gmail app, but a light version of it. Uh, number three is Outlook. So, you know, iPhone's version of Outlook. Then they have Gmail, the Gmail app, so you can actually get the full version. They have the, the inbox by Gmail and Gmail, which actually, now that I think about it, the inbox one wasn't a light version. That was just, it's it's an offline version of Gmail. And then their number one for iPhone is going to be Astro, which I saw some of the screenshots, and it looks pretty slick. I, I, everybody knows I'm not a... Uh, I'm not an iPhone fan, but you know it looked it looked pretty slick. Okay, coming up now we have uh, we'll go to Tech Radar, and this is going to be all the the email clients for Windows. And first number five we have Opera Mail, which I haven't used that one, but. The, I've used the, the Opera browser a long time ago, but they, they've had a lot of changes since then. Number four is Thunderbird, which is from Mozilla, the same company that uh, does Firefox. And this is kind of an, it's, well, not kind of, but it's it's an, it's pretty close to Outlook. It, it really is. They, they, they do a lot of the same things that Outlook does, except they do it in a light, much more lightweight package. So if you use Outlook and you're looking for a change, Thunderbird is a good to a, a good option for you. Number three is Heary, which I've never heard of, to be honest. Number two is going to be Mailbird Lite. Again, that's not one that I've heard before, but the screenshots it looks it looks pretty nice. And number one is EM Client, and that one, the screenshots of that one look pretty good too. Uh, the, and the, the feature list looked pretty good too. So that, that one, like I said, I haven't used it personally, but it seems to be pretty nice. And to finish things off, we'll do top five for iOS, which is this is for your Macs. And number five would be Edison Mail, which like, this is basically the same thing as the, the one from, uh, it's pretty close to Newton Mail, to be honest. 
You know, it's pretty minimal, minimalist and, and pretty slick. Number four is Spark. Number three is Airmail, which, again, I saw the screenshots. It looks pretty good. Number two is Polymail, which I had never heard of. But, again, I'm not very familiar with the, the Apple ecosystem, so I'm, I make no bones about that. And number one is going to be Spike. So that's your top five for your iOS, your Macs. So that's your, your top five clients for pretty much any device that you can think of, to be honest. Well, maybe except with the exceptional Linux. I'm actually kind of glad we had time to run through that. But just if we hadn't, you know, hopefully at least I'll shed a little bit of light on email today. And, I mean, like I said, we use it a lot. And it's kind of hard to, to know how it all works and everything. But if nothing else, you can go back and look at the top five that I, that I just went over. You can see the full list on the website at downsouthitpodcast.com. Uh, it's going to be in the show prep area for the for that. You can check out all of the other show prep stuff up there, too, and keep everything as I'm doing my research for the podcast and everything. I try to keep everything straight. And in somewhat of a coherent fashion, should I say. But at least that way, you know, you can kind of see where I'm getting it, getting it all from. And, of course, I want to say congratulations again to Regina Scarborough for winning the Alltech Lansing speaker. Again, you can check out the unboxing video, the review that I have of that speaker, all, all there on the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. And you can check out the rest of the site, catch up on past episodes. You can see, you can get to all of the show pages that I have the, the podcast on. Everything's there. You can check out the blog. So much more on there. I, I, I've built that thing from the ground up, and it, there's a lot to that website. So you can, there's a lot you can check out. Also, don't forget to check out the Facebook page. I'm always putting up good stuff on there. That's where I do most of the giveaways, too, that I've been. But I think I'm kind of going to think of a way to do those a little bit different, you know, coming up soon. So whenever I do the next one, it may be a little different. It may not be just strictly on Facebook. So, I mean, I got a whole website to play with. Why not use it, right? So anyway, thank you guys for listening. As always, I like to end things with a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard. Technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all again. I'll catch you next time on the Down South IT Podcast. We'll check you all next time. Later. Later.